No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Lord commands King Saul to destroy the Amalekites, but instead he spares the best of their livestock and their king. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 on Simply the Bible. It is possible to start out well, but not finish well. That is the sad testimony of Saul, who began humble, but who became increasingly prideful, and his pride would ultimately destroy him. His life is a sad lesson of what can happen to a person whose success goes to his or her head. We continue in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 47. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them, and he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshua, and Malchishua. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger, Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Now, to Saul's credit, he was a devoted warrior attacking the enemies of the Lord. And in this way, he established his sovereignty over Israel as king, for he led the people in fighting the Lord's battles. That was a good thing. We are told here of three of Saul's sons and two daughters. Later, we're told of other children that he had. Now, Michael would become David's first wife. Saul's general was Abner, who was his cousin. He drafted every strong and valiant man for his army, just as Samuel warned the people would happen when they demanded to have a king. Chapter 15, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek, for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Samuel no doubt detected that Saul was beginning to be willful and prideful. At Gilgal, Saul took upon himself the role of a priest and offered sacrifices rather than waiting for Samuel to arrive as he had been instructed to do. 
Therefore, Samuel reminded Saul of his credentials. He said, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Saul was king, but Samuel was the prophet through whom God spoke to Saul. Even though the nation was now a monarchy, they were to be ultimately submitted to God's rule. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. You'll recall that Esau was the older brother of Jacob, and his heart was set on things of the flesh. Amalek followed in his grandfather Esau's footsteps. The descendants of Amalek attacked Israel as they came out of bondage in Egypt. And they attacked them from behind, killing the elderly and the weak who moved slower. Joshua fought against them and defeated them. Then God spoke to Moses, saying, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Later, before the children of Israel entered the promised land, Moses reminded them in Deuteronomy 25, 17, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. So now God was making good on his promise to utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek. And he was going to use Saul and the army of Israel as his instrument of judgment against these wicked people. They were to utterly destroy everything, sparing no living thing. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Moses' father-in-law was a Kenite. And in contrast to the Amalekites, the Kenites had shown kindness to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Also, during the period of Judges, you'll recall it was a Kenite woman named Jael who killed the Canaanite general Sisera with a tent peg through his temple. And thus she rid Israel of their oppressor. Saul warned the Kenites to evacuate before he made war against Amalek so that they wouldn't get caught in the crossfire. And they heeded Saul's warning. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people at the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. 
Now, even though Saul had failed at Gilgal, God gave him another chance to be obedient by sending him on a mission against Amalek. God often does this with his people. We may fail him the first time, but God gives us another chance. In fact, he gives us third and fourth chances and and many more than that. His desire is that we learn from our failures, repent, and obey him. But there are limits to his patience. If we reject his word, he will reject us and raise up someone else to take our place. God gave Saul a great victory against Amalek. And Saul should have recognized the Lord's hand in this and glorified him by keeping his commandment to the letter. Instead, Saul rebelled against the Lord's commandment and spared Agag, the king of Amalek. Then he and his men kept the best of the livestock, destroying only the despised and worthless animals. But when God told them to destroy everything, who were they to call some of the animals good? Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. That's the same problem today. God has called some behavior good and other behavior evil. But people are saying, no, it's not evil, it's good. They are keeping for their own pleasure what God has devoted to destruction. And that is a very great sin in the eyes of God. Verse 10, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. The Lord had given his people the king they desired. But now he regretted anointing Saul as king because Saul turned away from God to do his own thing. It is always dangerous to turn away from God and his word to go our own way. And yet, As humans, we are so prone to do this. Thankfully, God has made provision for our wandering hearts through faith in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We must look upon Jesus Christ in faith and believe in him to save us from our wandering hearts. Samuel grieved all night because he loved Saul. He had anointed Saul to be king, and he wanted him to succeed. This explains why Samuel was so tough on Saul. He was like a father being tough on his son. Why? Because he wanted Saul to reject evil and choose the right path. But Samuel's wayward son, as it were, broke his heart. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself and he has gone on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Now, why did Saul set up a monument for himself anyway? This act told everything. 
Saul was honoring himself rather than honoring God by keeping his word. Saul covered up his transgression, however, with hypocrisy. Because as soon as he saw Samuel, he said, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Liar. Now, you've got to love Samuel's response. Oh, really? Then what is the bleeding of sheep and lowing of oxen that I hear? And Saul said, well, they brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Saul is so quick to blame his men for his sin. But wait a minute, wasn't he the king? A real leader takes responsibility for the organization and doesn't blame its failures on his or her subordinates. Saul tells Samuel that they saved the best of the animals to sacrifice to the Lord. But was that the truth? Or was Saul just quick on his feet to make excuses? Was it really the Lord he was thinking about when he kept the animals? Or was he looking to personally gain from the spoils of war? But now that Samuel confronts him, he says, Well, we saved them to sacrifice to the Lord. Right. As we've pointed out before, people who are good at making excuses are seldom good at anything else. Well, that ends our time for today, but we will continue this tomorrow as we see Samuel confronting Saul with what he has done. It's a sad and tragic ending to a life that began so well. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Samuel tells Saul that because he rebelled against the Lord's commandments, He has been rejected as king. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible.